Welcome to the Transportation Planner. I'm Carrie Long, and on this episode, we are discussing all things Fugen. Future Generations, or Fugen, is Gannett Fleming's Emerging Professionals Resource Group dedicated to professional development and supporting the next wave of leadership. Today, I am delighted to welcome Stasis Fidelaris, a Toronto-based engineer in our transit and rail, to speak to the exciting projects and transformative growth within his local office, working on major projects with Metrolinks, and his advice for finding purpose and big picture connections in your day-to-day task. To learn more about Fugen or get involved, drop a line to fugen at gfnet.com. Hi, Stasis, and thank you so much for joining us, and welcome to the show. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. This is uh, should be fun. I haven't done much stuff like this before, so excited to dig in. Before we dive into all of the projects you're up to in Toronto, I do want our audience to be aware that we already know and have seen your work being the saxophonist, closing out our holiday card last year with that remarkable flourish at the end. So for folks who may not know they know you, they do. Oh, that's hilarious. Well, here's a little uh, tidbit about that for those listening. I don't actually play saxophone. I did the audio mixing for that video and we we last minute needed an extra video to make the entire thing work the, the way the screens were set up. So I was like, yeah, I've got one laying around. I'll just pretend to play it, send in a video, see how that goes. And then um, Tyler Honey, who was doing the video, did a, did a great job. And I was definitely surprised to see myself <laughs> capping, capping off the video, but uh, gave me a good laugh. So that was a fun project. Well, I appreciated it. I know I watched that a bunch of times, so probably gave us half our views. But beyond, or maybe in addition to being the the closing out, the showman of our musical uh, endeavors, you have a pretty interesting path to working in transportation. And I would love to pick your brain on what motivated you to enter this field and to work uh, in this space. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think a lot of people in this industry have uh, less than a straightforward path to get here because i mean simply put it's a, it's a pretty niche field i mean transportation in general is a giant industry I'm, I'm not trying to say it's small or anything but there's no programs in school for example or at least you know within my kind of lens which is under the transit and rail group you know, engineering uh, degrees that are specifically catered towards this sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. So for me, I think, you know, similar with many other people in the industry, I got introduced to specifically rail and and transportation engineering through my dad, who actually works for this company, uh, Saulus, if if any of you guys um, know who that might be. But he's been in and out of the industry through his career, and that just at least showed me that it's it's a thing. You know, funnily enough, my, my schooling isn't directly involved into what I do day to day, but I mean, that happens pretty often. I, I studied geological engineering, actually. Maybe even if I was doing civil or something, it would have uh, prepped me a little better, but it was, it's one of those things, you know, that... Um, you know about it from from the people around you and we were we were growing in Canada at the time and it was just right time right place for me and haven't looked back since that's very interesting with your background in geology and having family working in this field it's 
it's exactly what you're talking about. Transportation is it's all around us and it's it's hard to miss really how much we all rely on it. And once you're exposed to this as a field, it is truly inescapable. And everyone has a transportation story. You know, you bring up, you work in this space and someone wants to tell you about their recent plane ride or, or a pothole or, you know, a new bridge that they've crossed which has been one of the fun things in here. I love that you have this non-linear path to this field. And something I really appreciate is that you make these connections to working in uh, broad fields and broad ideas, but looking at it with a systematic approach, looking at these big issues with a focused lens in your technical work. Maybe if, if you can talk a bit more about I guess, making that connection, going from the big picture topics and what you do day to day. Yeah, no, for sure. I th- connections is, is a great word that you use there. And, it, and it's something that I'm always trying to find connections between different things and commonalities and just thinking of things in a bigger picture. Like you said, the the kind of, you might ask yourself, how does, how does one get from geology to rail engineering, because there's all these questions that you have as you're kind of coming through school and growing into yourself and getting exposed to tons of different things. You're always like, what what do I want to be? What do I want to do? When it came to choosing my degree, I, I came from a small town up north. I, I love camping. I love the outdoors. So it's it was one of those things. I was like, hey, you know what? Why not? Field trips. I can get up north, do, do some stuff like that. That should be fun. I chose something I was interested in and, and kind of ran with it. And I, that in itself is, it's a great place to start. And I think that's all you have when you're, you know, 19 or 20, right? Okay, I kind of like this, I kind of like that. But, you know, looking back, it seems crazy that you're pressured at such a young age to choose the thing that you love and do it. And a lot of the time it feels like there's a lot of pressure to pick the right thing. For me, that that brings up a mindset that I've developed over my first several years working in industry, where I've really recognized that it's a lot less about choosing what you love and doing that. We always hear in school, well, if you if you pick something that you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Well, you know, for me, I don't necessarily agree with that to, to a point. I think it's a lot more important to learn how to love what you do and and what's in front of you and and find passion in in the moment and the things that you're doing and making connections is is kind of i think the the most basic way to find passion in anything whether it's geological engineering or transit and rail engineering well at, at the core of it there's problem solving and you have certain information, you don't have other information, and and you you try to make it work, you build this puzzle, right? So while the subject matter can differ, I find it's always just digging into the moment and focusing and having that sort of flow state and and trying to figure something out. I, I find that allows you to enjoy whatever genre of thing you're trying to do. It's just being engaged that helps you succeed and and enjoy what it is you're doing. So I think I rambled a bit there, but I hope that kind of makes sense. It's a philosophy that I I think isn't addressed nearly enough with people in in school and younger people trying to choose their career path and, and think about what to do. And it can be such a stressful thing, you know, and 
you see you see at our company there's a lot of people who have similar situations to me where their backgrounds are different than their day-to-day jobs and i think that's a big part of it is just that kind of ability to remain flexible and engaged and passionate about whatever it is that that life brings you definitely i appreciate that so much it is solid advice for any person and any professional uh, and i agree is certainly for our company and our listeners and such both in that daily grind and getting focused on the details, a good reminder to take a step back and think of the whole picture and the the larger problems that you are solving with your work. And I also think in this field, that multidisciplinary approach and having different backgrounds is so critical. Being able to think about the implications and the possible outcomes or consequences of what you're doing day to day. In my office, so much of that is preparing for a future and thinking about how new technology will change our systems and how we can be prepared for that. And in some of the work you're doing with transit and rail, I think that's also so powerful to think ahead of what will happen when the upgrades or with the the new expansions or or new additions to the rail network. So taking a breath and not trying to figure it all out in your your high school years and being able to be vision-based or outcome-based and not necessarily think through the more traditional, you know, I want to be X, so I will go to X school and study X and become expert in X. That is fantastic. Well, well, I've, I've thought about this, you know, so much and to me i think it's a lot more of the mindset and it all links together to to what i was talking about before it's it said that luck is a combination of being prepared and taking advantage of opportunities mm-hmm. and the other part of that mindset that helps you become lucky and is just being able to be flexible and to be able to be passionate about what you're doing in the moment because if you kind of have all these things, life's going to bring you whatever it brings you. So if you can do your best to just care about what's coming up and take advantage of opportunities and and not have your blinders on, a lot of things are going to feel like they're falling in your lap when, when really a lot of people are, you know, having similar opportunities, but maybe they're really trying to dig in and, and commit to one certain thing. And I think that's, that's great that that's needed in, in a lot of fields and diving into a niche is something we do super well at Gannett Fleming. But as we go into the future, as things are more and more connected, being able to appreciate the broader perspective is just such an important thing. To sort of pivot here and think again about specifically with big picture topics and projects, it's definitely an exciting time to be working in transportation. Like you said, we're getting more connected day by day and new things are coming out all the time and and new solutions to old problems and new problems. I hear it is especially exciting to be working in our fairly new, at this stage, Toronto office. Could you tell me a bit more about what is going on in Toronto? I absolutely. And even before I dig into that, you know, what you just said maybe made me think of a, a funny example of the the whole luck thing I was talking about. You know, as I mentioned, I studied geological engineering and, uh, you know, I've spent time working uh, out in Calgary. In, in Calgary, they've experienced in the last five, 10 years, 
you know, some of the most challenging times in the last several decades. Mm-hmm. And I, I worked there for a summer job and it, and it was like maybe a year before things started to crash. And uh, it, it was awesome. It was, it was a wild time out there. But life ended up handing me what it handed me, and and I took advantage of it and, and jumped into transportation, and and now I've got you know all my friends from school at West. They're they're doing very well, but they've had a lot of rocky journeys, getting laid off here, the company folding over there, and it's like, well, if I had just been stubborn and kept my head down and worried about what I found most fascinating in terms of subject matter, and and really only committed to doing that, well, I might end up in a much worse situation, you know, in terms of job security, for example. And so just to kind of elaborate on what your actual question was, it has been a, an absolutely wild time in Toronto f- for transit and and upgrades in general, but for Gannett Fleming as well. When I was hired in January, I want to say 2016, so that's a little over five years ago, I was on the order of maybe the 10th Canadian employee, something like that. And we've just grown steadily since then. And I would say the most striking growth has happened in the last year. I think our office has over doubled in size since lockdown, which imagine that, right? It's It's been crazy. Yeah, I'll give you a quick overview of, of what we've been up to um, in the Canadian contingent. The thing that brought us to Canada was a contract for um, the government agency for transportation in Ontario, Metrolinx, where we we were and continue to be on the same project, play the same role as technical advisors um, on the electrification portion of some of the biggest transit rail uh, upgrades in North America. I think it, it still holds that title or it's in the top three or something along those lines. Yeah. So that's been going on for maybe five or six years now, and it's only just gone into market. So it's it's in market right now. There's there's people bidding on the project, and we continue to act as as advisors. and And I'm uh, you know one of the few people still involved with that, and I have been again for over five years, which is it's crazy how time flies. But um, as we kind of grew through that that one big project. We kind of expanded and we're always continually looking for work up here. So right now, I think we've got almost an entire suite of what we can offer uh, that mirrors Gannett Fleming uh, as a company. We're involved in subway extensions. Those are some big ones, different kind of facilities, upgrades. But we've also expanded our non-rail and and even non-transportation specific groups our environmental group up here has done amazing work they're growing like crazy bridges highways uh you know structural teams been great up here so it's it's really been just crazy and 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 really cool and, and a blessing to see the growth that's occurred uh in my time here and it's just it gets me excited you know but um doing lots of lots of cool stuff up here toronto's really investing in in infrastructure. So that's something I I feel lucky about for sure. That is incredible. Just the sheer 
growth you are mentioning in in personnel was striking right doubling mm-hmm. at least doubling in size during a time where we're not having the privilege of seeing each other in person and to know you have double the coworkers is very exciting but also the number and diversity of projects that you're adding to your portfolio as an office and supplementing your work with metro links and and with the subway and electrification and such not to beat too much your your great advice from earlier but capitalize on opportunities and and leveraging these connections seems to be something your office is doing well and I'm thrilled to to hear it before we jump into more specifics about your personal growth over those five years since joining I did want to take one moment being a new podcast I'm not sure exactly who our listeners are but let's assume they're not familiar with the types of projects that you had mentioned. I want to make sure we're all on the same page. So Mm -hmm. uh, if you could just give a quick elevator type explanation of what electrification is. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. So the GO Transit Network is uh, what we call the local heavy commuter rail. So it's it's these big double-decker trains that that bring people in and out of the entire greater Toronto area. So there's, I want to say maybe like 400 kilometers, convert that to freedom units at, at your own discretion, um, of, of corridor in, in, through, the, through the area. Essentially, maybe six, seven years ago, there's a big political push to just upgrade the infrastructure. There's cities in, of comparable size have way better transit systems than than we have uh, in Toronto. So so that was a big motivation. The entire fleet that's used up here is powered by diesel. And there's many benefits of turning the fleet into being powered by electricity. You know, some of them are very practical. You can accelerate more quickly and, and have shorter, you know, head spans between trains running through stations. But, you know, there's also environmental impacts. It can be quieter. You know, there's plenty of benefits. So electrification in this context is is really just that. We're helping to guide the government agency to understand what it means to electrify a rail network like this. We've helped develop standards and a reference concept design to demonstrate that it can be done. And if it's done, these are the kind of parameters. This is what it'll kind of look like. These are the kind of larger scale impacts that come up and that that may arise. Lots of conflict analysis, uh, you know, what's going to happen to utilities. And, you know, there's just countless things that interact with so many kilometers of corridor, right? I could get into detail forever, but, you know, I might as well take this opportunity to elaborate just a little bit on on what specific part I play in in the electrification Mm -hmm. portion, which is um, I'm part of the overhead contact system group, the OCS group. And what we do is specifically the kind of the infrastructure and wiring for how do you actually power the train, right? Uh, You know, I'm I'm sure it's a lot more prevalent in in the U.S., having having trains that are powered by overhead wires. Mm-hmm. So that's the current plan for electrifying the, the corridors around here. So I, I mainly help out designing where and what kind of structures might go, you know, in certain areas. My specific role has kind of been involved with not directly the 
electrification of you know the future future lines uh, in terms of what the final proponents will actually be doing necessarily, but rather kind of integrating with existing projects. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, let's say there's a bridge that crosses the rail corridor um, and they're just upgrading it because it's falling apart, right? Whatever reason, right? We'll step in and say, look, in five, 10 years, there's going to be all this electrification infrastructure. It's going to be a different system. So while you're repairing this bridge, also put in grounding and bonding measures to make sure it's safe in the future. Or, or maybe it's a, it's a really big bridge and we're going to need an integrated foundation to be able to include the infrastructure necessary to hold up these wires, right? So it's kind of getting ahead of the game and, and integrating with projects that are already happening in parallel and making sure they're prepared for when electrification does come down the line in the future, whatever that is. So I love that perspective. Preventative care is a lot easier than responding, you know, five, 10 years from now, trying to rapidly electrify or advance your system to operate on a new platform entirely. I appreciate you doing that for your system. As a person from a city that loves our trolleys and is on the Mm -hmm. precipice of a whole trolley modernization program, I know we we are all very excited to envision the future and, and move in that direction. So thank you for outlining that. I think that's really helpful. I do want to come back to a bit more about you and your career development. We will take a minute to learn about innovation here again, and then we will dive into um, your work and your roles within Fujin. So stick around and we will be right back. Hi there, Jen Howe here with your quick minute. Do you have an amazing idea that would make your job at Gannett Fleming easier? Have you thought of a new process to benefit your job or other business lines in the company? Guess what? There's a place to submit those ideas called the Crick. That stands for Collaborative Research and Innovation Center. Through the Crick, your ideas can be fostered and funded. To find us, just go to the home tab of the intranet and click innovation slash Crick on the left side. If you have any questions, you can reach us by emailing innovation at gfnet.com. Jumping back in, Stasis, you have walked us through the day-to-day operations and what's going on in Toronto, both in your your work and also organizationally with incredible growth and with major projects within the transit agency and authority. I wonder how all of these transformational projects have affected your own vision of your role and what you hope to do in the future, you know, what you see as your career development or or plans, what sticks out as most important. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. The word that comes to mind bringing it back to the beginning of this conversation is connection. You know, I, I always keep coming back to that because it's just something I feel that's so important these ginormous projects that we're working on are, are a lot more complex and involve a little bit of everything than a lot of the smaller one-off jobs that occur. So the cooperation and integration of all the different groups and even business lines that are involved is it's not just necessary, it's, it's essential. You know, if you want to have any hope at actually designing something that works, 
And it all connects to what we've been talking about as, as we're moving towards the future. Things are more and more interconnected. They're reliant on each other. Our office is growing and there's tons of people coming in. And, you know, even, even on that note, like I said, we're, we're up around double, which, which means we're around 130, 140 people now. So if you can imagine 70, 75 people haven't even ever met a single other person in our office that they work with, what kind of impact does that have when you're trying to work together within not just your work group, but within multiple work groups to, you know, get the job done? It's, it's, you know, it becomes more and more important to be able to kind of facilitate these connections and, and keep people engaged and, and aware of each other. So I think for me, apart from the technical stuff I do, and, and I love engineering and I love design and, and I love technical problem solving, I think what I'm incredibly passionate about as well is bringing that human element to the office, to, to the way we work, and really encouraging building these connections and trying to facilitate working together. It's It's been, you know, even when you're back in the office, it's easy enough to just, you know, maybe you say, hey, on, on the way, way by, way to the coffee room, whatever it is, but you can still get isolated in your own work group. You know, imagine a case where most of the people working on a project or most of the people in your office haven't even met each other. There's there's a lot of proactive work that you really need to try to initiate to to kind of build those sort of connections. So that's something I see myself doing just because I love it and I care about it. And that's something I, I always come back to the same thing, but it's just finding that passion for what's in front of you and staying engaged in the moment. For me, just those kind of relationships are, are such an important piece of, of life as, as a human or social species. I, that's something I emphasize a lot at work. We're all humans. We're all people. It's not just work-life balance. It's just life. Part of it is is work, but within work, you have a relationship of all these different people kind of interacting, personalities, backgrounds. So really being able to, you know, emphasize the compassion and the engagement of everyone by, you know, having those strong relationships be built and, and giving people opportunities to connect with people that they might not necessarily gravitate towards, whether it's your working group or whether it's just you're similar to someone, so you're going to have an easier time being friends with them, that's, that sort of thing is left unchecked then, you know, you can unintentionally isolate people. So that's something I'm, I'm a big advocate for is engaging yourself with people that you might not necessarily naturally do so towards and helping to facilitate and organize events and things that give those opportunities. Fully agree. Keeping people engaged and, and valued and demonstrating value I want to be explicit about some of the things you mentioned because I was connected to you by one of our colleagues as one of these emerging leaders really helping to be proactive about shaping the future of, of Gannett Fleming through this resource group, the Future Generations or FUGEN, which is directed towards younger professionals from across the company. So people in all different divisions and offices and geographically diverse. Um, and I think that 
is a great example of what you're talking about, building these bridges between diverse sectors or backgrounds or, or voices. So I would love to pick your brain a little bit on what advice you might have for colleagues who either haven't heard about Fujen or are thinking about joining or possibly joining other uh, employee groups if there's anything that you find particularly fun or interesting, if there's something that has been incredibly valuable for your own personal development, I would love to get the word out about these great resources. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. That's definitely the kind of funnel that's that's helped me direct this passion and energy that I have for this field you know, of, of humanity within work. I don't know. I didn't want to call it future generations has been a, a really big thing I've been involved with for years now. I first caught wind of, of this specific uh, resource group maybe four years ago, at least. And uh, I started getting involved a little bit more and more up until maybe about a year ago when I had already been part of the steering committee of the corporate group for a little bit, and then I had the uh, pleasure of becoming the vice chair, the the co-chair for the actual group with, if you guys know, Hannah Copenhaver, she's absolutely brilliant and leads that group. We've been able to take the the things that I'm talking about and, and really try to apply them to the corporate lifestyle. I remember a pretty notable visit around the beginning of my time at Gannett. Shortly after Bob Scare had uh, taken over at the helm, he was coming through Toronto. I was just really impressed with the emphasis that he was putting on a lot of the same concepts that I was had have been talking about. And you know the the importance of the diversity and engagement of people. It's really interesting. The stuff that I found striking about working in Toronto versus you know the traveling that I've done in in the United States we're really blessed in Toronto to have such an incredibly diverse workforce I would say well over half maybe even three quarters of the office has a noticeable accent of some sort right so that kind of gives you an idea of the the breadth of backgrounds that that we're working with all different kinds of age groups how do you people people are you know at work they're they're mature they're great at working together again it does a good job of of this but i kind of touched on it before there's it can be a kind of unconsciously human to associate with the people that you find most similar to yourself somewhere like toronto has been a, a great example of what happens when you really try to go out of your way to engage everybody and we have such a diverse workforce up here it's been great but I'm straying a little bit from the Fugen thing. It's, you know, you, you can you can tell I care about all this stuff. Specifically, yeah, Fugen, we're geared towards, uh, we've decided to try to use the emerging professionals rather than young because there's a lot of people, maybe they're switching careers or at different stages, they, they're starting and developing. We're certainly geared towards supporting that demographic with something like mentorship, just because it's supporting someone who's kind of at the beginning stage of their careers doesn't mean that there's no place for someone at any stage in their career, whether it's in the middle and at the, you know, the late end, whatever, we get support from all kinds of people. You know, firstly, if you're if you're listening to this and you're like, hey, I'd, I'd love to learn more about Fugen Group, don't hesitate to reach out to me. I'd love to get you involved. You can send us an email at just F-U-G-E-N 
at gfnet.com. We've got an email. We've got a SharePoint page. Look out in your emails for, for any kind of communication that comes from us. We run events and we run contests and social things. That's Keep your eye out for that. We're always looking for people to get involved there. And I also did want to mention that we are not the only employee resource group that's very active within Gannett Fleming. The Connected Women group has been one of the most active groups. We've got a newly formed LGBTQ plus group and a military vets group. So uh, these right now are the four main ERGs. One thing that that's definitely missing from that cohort is supporting different cultures, whether it's a, a black engineers group or whether it's any other, you know, maybe more of a general uh, visible minority or just something that supports different cultures and backgrounds. I think that's something that we can add to the great stuff that we've been doing with the ERGs that I mentioned previously. In, in a general sense, my experience with Gannett Fleming has been, you don't get told no a whole lot. What instead happens if you have an idea, they say, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. You just have to right. do it. You have to go and do it now. And so there's definitely tons of opportunity for getting involved and not just with what already exists, but if you have the initiative and the passion, you're going to have the support. And there's a very, very clear message from the top. Uh, leadership at the company is very invested in supporting these non-technical work-related support groups. And, and it's not just a support group. It's, it's a great way to find that engagement and passion and, and build those relationships with your time here. So all of that stuff is great. And, and I encourage anyone to get involved. You are hitting it out of the park with these fantastic pieces of advice. And again, send an email to fugen at gfnet.com if you're interested in Fujin. And bringing it back to before the break, talking about luck and success and everything in that vein is, in short, being prepared and taking advantage of the opportunities presented. And I, I agree with you. I think our culture of encouraging innovation and encouraging uh, folks to think big is seen in these groups and how we support good ideas. So encourage you to, to take advantage of the existing resources. And I love the ideas you're explaining here. With that, just want to share with you how appreciative I am that you took the time to speak with us and with the audience today to kick off what is the first of many. This has been a delight and a really eye-opening conversation. Again, thank you so much for taking the time to speak. Thanks a ton for having me on. Uh, it's It's been great. And I mean, I could go on forever about all this stuff. I guess if I was to leave the audience with something, it would just be, don't be afraid to reach out to anybody. Fire someone a message, just send them, ask them how their day was, whatever little thing like that that's going to be the thing that slowly over time builds those connections. It's going to be the thing that facilitates the, the mindset that we as a company is going to need to be successful as we grow, you know, as we're doubling from two to 4,000 and onwards. We need to maintain these connections. We need to build relationships and we need to take it in our own hands and be proactive about it. So I'm just really happy I got a chance to preach a little bit about, you know, what makes me tick and what I'm passionate about. And so thanks so much for having me and, and it'll be, uh, it'll be great to see where this, where this series goes. 
Well, stay tuned. We uh, have some exciting episodes and, and hopefully folks will send you a message. Exactly. Please do.